0: Oh, hey there, folks. What do you know? It's the Uticast, episode 293. Very special episode this week as we begin our discussions about the B.A. Neighbor Fund, brought to you by uh, Made in Utica Universal Bookkeeping, uh, McGrogan Design. Uh, all of this we're going to talk about with our good friend Justin Miller, making his debut on the show, the man behind Universal Bookkeeping. We'll talk all about the a Neighbor Fund, uh, how it got started, who's involved, uh, what you can do to be involved, uh, everything you need to do. Go to handshake.city to check out the information for yourself. Really excited to talk to him. Uh, Also this week, we will talk about the Wall Street Bets GameSpot story that came up this week. Uh, We'll talk a little about the New York State Regents, talk about Aaron Rodgers. We'll do some history lessons, uh, some fun history stories, Baseball Hall of Fame, all of this, folks, and so much more. I mean, as always, another week as we prepare for the Nor'easter and Groundhog Day that we are happy Uh, so excited to have you here Uh, as I mentioned, joining us this week, uh, Justin Miller of Universal Bookkeeping, joining us today to talk about the Be A Neighbor Fund. Uh, so before I get into my usual nonsense, Kevin, which I like to hit you with, all our quick thoughts. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to do the, the proper thing and promote this thing before I talk about any nonsense like baking and dinosaurs. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Kevin's so this foundation has nothing to do with baking and dinosaurs It does then. not have mm. anything to do with baking and dinosaurs. That's uh, going to be a tough sell for uh, you. <laughs> Uh, For folks who haven't seen already on Facebook and all over the place with Made in Utica, the Be a Neighbor Fund was developed by local companies, Universal Bookkeepers, Made in Utica, McGrogan Design, and the Think Your Bader to help out small locally owned businesses in the greater Utica area who are struggling during this time of COVID-19. It's been designed by small businesses directly for small businesses. Mm. Uh, If you know anybody, uh, or if you're in a small business, or if you know of a small business that could use the help in terms of funding, uh, we're talking up to $3,000 for three months. Go to handshake.city. The entire website mm. has been converted over uh, so you guys can see everything on the website right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really, really well done and really easy to see. If you have questions about whether you qualify, how do you apply, where the funds are coming from, all of it's right on the page for you folks. Mm. Uh, I really like this idea. Um and I'm really happy that we have this thing that we can give back to local businesses.
1: Well, I like it. And it speaks to uh, something that we've always talked about with everything we've always done with Made in Utica. And since the very, very beginning of it, you know, in, in speaking with Justin about it and the whole notion of sometimes instead of just waiting for the the help to come to you or the work to come to you or what you want to come, you yeah. have to just go build it yourself. Just go do it. You know what I mean? And mm-hmm that's, you know, that's a a, a guiding principle. It's something you see that happens around this area all the time. People are like, we're going to go make it for ourselves. We're going to go do the work, roll up our sleeves, and do what we got to do. So love to see it. And, uh, you know, awesome to see it and great for everybody involved. I'm excited to see what Justin Miller's got to say about it later.
0: Yeah, really excited to talk to Justin uh, Miller as well, who's been a part of Universal Bookkeeping. And, you know, we've worked with him for many years. So Mm -hmm. nice to talk to him. Uh, Just on the inside thing, I love when we have, like, a project
2: Mm. A good project going yeah, yeah, yeah. on, you
0: know, because during the COVID stuff and during everything that's been happening, we lost a whole... We have been able to do anything. Nothing, nothing. Lost a whole season at Handshake City. Whole season of stuff. So just the, the excitement I see mm. in the folks working on this yeah, got yeah. me excited, right? Just how happy everyone is to be working on something that feels like it's giving back to the community. Mm. Uh, so really exciting stuff. Go to handshake.city. Again, the whole website is set up right now so you can uh, see everything that's going on. It's a really great cause. And if you want to support all the really cool, and again, I've talked about it a million times in this podcast, a million times, Mm. this show doesn't exist unless there's tons of people in this region and area who are doing cool things, and a lot of those folks are like small business owners and people who are just trying to do something interesting or creative or or inspiring for other people, and Mm. it's a good chance to give back to them, and I'm I'm really looking forward to it. All good friends of the show. All good friends of the show. Just uh, like all you guys listening to the show. You're all our good friends, that's right. That's right. <laughs> uh, so there we go. I'll get that out of the way. And again, we'll talk to Justin uh, Miller at the interview section of the show. So we'll get more into this. Right. Uh, but for now, Kevin okay. Sullivan, who is here, good to yes. see you again. Welcome back. Here I am. Um, let's do some some quick thoughts. I got some I got some things I want to share with you before. Get we it off do. your chest. Okay. So I uh, last week. Yes. My mom dropped off to me mm. some Buffalo Bills cookies. Right. They were made by her friend, Kristen Scalise. Uh-huh. Shout out to Kristen Scalise. Uh-huh. Uh, the Rolling Pin Bakery. Check it out. They're on Facebook. Um, I didn't do a good job, apparently, posting, when I posted a picture of this on social media, mm. making it clear that my mom didn't bake these cookies herself. She was really concerned that people were like, she's like, I didn't cook these. People think I cooked these. Mm. Uh, and this happened to me this week. Okay. I made muffins. Okay. And I handed the muffins out to my family. Last week. I mm. made some. My mom had stopped by to drop something off. I said, oh, wait, before you leave. I got muffins. I got some muffins. Yeah, Take yeah. some of these muffins. This whole week, I've been getting phone calls about the muffins. Really? Yeah. Yeah. For oh, who? About what? My mom called me about the muffins. She said, oh, those muffins were good. How did you make them? Mm-hmm. I said, what? <laughs> What's talking about? They're from a box. She goes, oh, they're great. Awesome. Cool. Mm. Then... I get another call from my sister, who's like, "Mom said you're making muffins." I'm like, "I'm not. I
2: am not making muffins.
0: Like, no." Mom says, "You're the muffin man. You're the muffin man now." I said, "No." And now I feel guilty for taking credit for it because mm. I didn't do anything. They were a be- they were a box of Krusty's orange cranberry muffins. Mm-hmm. And then to top it all off, somehow one of these muffins made it to my niece because she must have visited my mom or babysitting her and she yeah, ate yeah, whatever yeah. it is, right? And she said. I didn't like them very much. Ah. (laughs) And I said, why? She's like, I don't know. I didn't know they were going to be lemon. Because she's a child, and they've got cranberry (laughs) and orange in them. Yeah, Kids like fruit? Kids like fruit, Yeah, kids do like fruit. You know what else? Kids Uh, like
1: chocolate chip in their dessert pastry. (laughs) (laughs) No, it's true.
0: It's true. Um, So, yeah. So, I felt weird whether or not I should have taken any... So, so the credit doesn't lie in the fact that I actually made them, like, the process, right? Mm. I went through the process of putting them together and then gave free muffins to my friends and family, I didn't make the muffins myself, so it's useless is what I'm getting at, right? Well, I mean... How much, how much credit do I actually deserve for the muffins? I, I guess I guess my real question is, how much credit do you need? None. <laughs> I didn't need any. I didn't expect to hear about the muffins ever again. You wouldn't think so. Well, I can
1: see for your mom when she defaults and doesn't even think, oh, somebody just poured a box in with some eggs. Yeah. Well, she's... <laughs> Because she's out here milling cranberries and zesting oranges. No, it's true. It's true. Uh,
0: I I famously have to... Again, I'm not supposed to tell stories about my mom, even though she's the best. Uh, A couple years ago for Christmas, for for my birthday, she would asked me what kind of pie I wanted. Mm. And it was cherry pie. Yeah. And she got... She was just going to go get, you know, a dough Mm -hmm. and the cherries that come in the can and make me cherry pie. Mm. And I would have not known the wiser because Mm. I would have said, great, cherry pie. Yeah. My sister, who I might be going to visit next week... Mm called my mom and shamed her for not, like, going and getting full cherries and, like, pitting them herself by hand um, because she thought it. <laughs> so both parties, neither party is exactly right, but your
1: sister is closer <laughs> to being right. Can pie failing? Absolutely not. No. Not only is your mom better than that, but anybody's better than that. You don't have to go get fresh cherries and pit them yourself, What you do as a cherry pie is probably my favorite mm. dessert. You know, make yeah, like yeah. a cherry crisp, this and that. You go to the frozen food section. Mm-hmm. You get the frozen cherries because it's easy to make the filling. You literally just throw them in a pan with a little bit of sugar, a little bit of vanilla, and just let them. They'll gel up on their own. You might have to add Mm. some cornstarch slurry or whatever. That part is easy. So Mm. pitting them yourself is insane. But, yeah, the stuff that comes out
0: of the can is junk. Uh, So, yeah... Uh, she I felt bad, but my whole issue was just, like, I didn't want her to go through the process. I was like, I don't care that much. Let like, her enjoy the process. Let her enjoy the process. I tell you all the time. Let, know, let these people who care for you be nice to you. Uh. You know what I mean? Right before this, uh, show started, I had to bring my car to mm-hmm. the shop. Mm-hmm. Had some sort of power steering issue. Uh. And the reason I'm doing it is i I'm very sure, I'm like 95% sure that I'm going to Chicago next week. Next week. Next week. Next week. Yes, I think that's the case. Okay. Uh, what does that mean for the listeners out there? Nothing. Nothing really. We'll
1: record it at a different time, release it at the same time. The
0: interview will probably be a sister. I don't know. Well, it's not true. <laughs> there was some, okay, so to pull back the curtain... <laughs> There was supposed to be a different interview today who I held off on because yeah. this was, uh, because it wasn't as topical as what we were talking about today. Yeah. Right. Um, yeah. So next week, that person will be on because I feel bad because I've, I've pushed her off like two weeks now. Right. Mm. Um, so I don't know, what I might do, and I'm thinking about doing, is maybe recording an interview with her this week, mm. and then maybe you and I do some sort of evergreen episode, like a non-news related episode, like something topical. Fine That's fine by me. So maybe I'll think of something. You should
1: just go out there, you should do the show with regular, but with Kelly and Randall in the that, me too. and Heather position, and then make like your niece and nephew the interview. <laughs> I thought of it.
0: I actually thought about my sister and Randall just like I do the show do straight on them. give them history lessons give them everything just see how derailed you get they would
1: be <laughs> really rough.
0: And I think it'd be fun but it would they would you know what is the problem with, for me with that is that my sister Kelly is way funnier and way more like snappy and charming than I am like that's, she you, you've done plenty of episodes with Aaron Higgins you'll be alright that's no, tr- true <laughs> no, people will never want to go back they'll hear her do it and they'll be like why isn't she the one on the podcast maybe mm-hmm. that'll be a thing uh, also this week, so yeah, cars, Chicago, that's coming next week, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but coming in, like, ten minutes? Mm-hmm. an hour? Uh, rumors abound. I talked about it last week, and you criticized me for making a big deal out of nothing, because it was only three to six inches. Yeah. The Nor'easter is coming, guys. Uh. Uh, mm-hmm. Mayor Cuomo, or sorry, Mayor Cu- Governor Cuomo uh, <laughs> has declared a state of emergency in most of New York and all of the Mohawk Valley, uh, set throughout Monday night into Tuesday. Uh, rumors about we're going to be getting like an, like an inch an hour or something like that, and it's going to go all night. Ah, uh, let, let me wait until I hear it from somebody else. <laughs> it's true. Most areas are expected to get five inches to a foot of snow through Wednesday morning, but we're supposed to get more than that, is nice. what I've been told.
1: You, listen, you know where I fall on this side of the issue. <laughs> uh, if it's going to come, let it all come.
0: Yeah. No, I'm with you, and I think, uh... three yeah <laughs>
1: That snowblower working. Well, that's my concern, <laughs> right? Like, because the snowblower
0: didn't work last week, so now I'm like, oh no, what do I do? Um, yeah, so round one of this nor'easter snowfall will be tonight, uh, Monday night. But well, it'll have already happened by the time you folks hear this. Uh, but Tuesday morning and into Groundhog Day it should be widespread mm. uh, throughout our region. Um, so there you go. Prepare yourself for the nor'easter. Uh, I will be in Chicago next week, so a weird show next week. And, uh, and that's it. That's our, those are our quick notes for the week. was the quick note opening? (laughs) It took ten and a half
1: minutes. You know what? I thought it'd be longer. (laughs) Ten minutes.
0: Well, I gotta be honest. This week's news is a little strange because I feel like the biggest news of the week, which is this, uh, Wall Street Bets, Reddit, uh, GameStop saga, Robin Hood saga, kind of happened at a point in time in the week Mm. where... Now, if we sit here and talk about we've it, missed the crest. we've missed the crest we've missed of this the crest. story. The interesting
1: thing, and with the way that the news, the speed with which the news cycle moves, sometimes even mm-hmm. though we do this show weekly, sometimes we do miss things. Yeah, like in a sense where something will break right after, like on a Tuesday when an episode comes out, and then by the time we get to the following week, it's like, well. What are we going to say mm-hmm. that you haven't already heard from people that get paid, like, condo money to do this?
0: So, I'll, I'll do my very best to give you the briefest intro, and then I have a couple quick things I want to ask you about it, right? Mm-hmm. So, this is the best I can give you. This is from Vox, if you wonder where I'm getting it from. Essentially, what happened really this week is an army of traders on the Reddit forum Wall Street Bets helped drive a meteoric rise in the GameStop video game store stock price, uh, forcing halts in trading and causing a major heartache for short sellers betting against it and banking on the stock failure. And it's uh, it's really captivated people because it feels like a story where the hedge funds got got and the normal folks won over. Mm. So it feels like, and people really latched onto the story for some reason. Uh, my question is: this... I'm
1: interested in the I'm interested in your term for some reason. There, does it surprise you?
0: It doesn't, and I guess maybe is maybe is because it's not that often that the little guy gets one over on the big guy. Mm, okay. And I guess maybe it's because I don't understand enough about the economics of this to wonder if the the little guy is going to win at the end. Mm. You know, that's what concerns me. I want the little guy to win. Mm-hmm. I don't care for any of these head funds. I don't want to see them, like, make money on the backs of regular Joes and all that kind of thing. Sure. Uh, but I will feel bad if at the end of the story the all the regular Joes don't mm-hmm. get anything out of the end of it. Right? Does that sound... Is that weird? No, I don't man, know. It's, no. it's, it's such an odd... And again, I don't know... I can't think of the last time a stock story has captivated, like, the news in this in this way. Because nothing like this has ever happened. Is there really not, like, another outlier of anything
1: like this in the past? They, they haven't really had, like, retail investor forum mm-hmm. communities on the internet in the past. No, this was, this isn't, the internet wasn't, you know what I mean? Like, this is, this is new, this is new stuff.
0: Yeah, and no, I guess you're right. I guess I, I always try and find, like, some sort of historical context to, like, compare mm. something to. And I guess there isn't really one for this. Uh, I, I, have you enjoyed sort of the watching like hedge fund billionaires try and go on? Um, always.
2: <laughs>
1: defend? Always. Billionaires and Wall Street employees weeping,
0: whining, and having tantrums on CNBC gives
1: me life. Yeah, always. I always like to see that. Uh,
0: here's my favorite one. Uh, Senator Bernie Sanders, who we're going to talk about a lot this week for whatever reason. He's just mm. out in the news this week a lot. Uh, responded on Twitter to criticism from billionaire Leon Cooperman, who said the idea of a fair share was bullshit. That was a quote earlier this week that right. everyone, yeah. Uh, I liked Bernie's quote. Oh look, another billionaire is mad that we might have to pay more. T- he might have to pay more taxes while children in America go hungry and veterans sleep in the street. Cry me a river," says yeah. Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. You know, it's funny when Bernie Sanders was initially running. Yeah, I felt like he was. I was like, oh, this guy's a meme, right? Like, and my family threw Bernie Sanders at me. They're Like, oh, you're a Bernie guy, aren't you? And I was like, I sure. Mm. But I tell you what, he never says anything that I ever feel like uh, I, I, he's not wrong. So he's, mm. he's right all the time. Good mm. for Bernie. Um, yeah, I watched a couple videos of Leon Cooperman, who seems to be the, this this guy who's on CNBC this week, like making you try and feel bad for the billionaires. Mm. Like, and essentially their argument is, you know, you don't get it, regular joes don't have the knowledge you guys are too stupid to do this right like that seems no it's all a scam that's that's why people are latching onto this because it's just it's just like
1: a lot of things we've seen over in the last few years i think with various things that have gone on um people more and more people are waking up to like oh wait a minute this is just this is a scam like hang on hang on just a second
0: well we didn't talk about robin hood at all in this uh in this discussion robin hood is the online brokerage app uh which is named after a folk hero who Mm -hmm. steals from the rich it mm-hmm. gives to the poor. Uh, I mean, they were the most popular app on the iTunes Store for a day, mm-hmm. and then essentially tanked their own business. Like, I feel like they're not gonna—they're probably not gonna recover from the PR hit they took. Oh, they'll be fine. You think so?
1: Be, yeah. They're not. They don't even. They're they're an owned company. Yeah, they're all right. Yeah. They're going to be just, as long as they don't get hauled in front of Congress, they'll be all right. Even then, normally if Congress brings Wall Street in for hearings, they'll get, want, a slap on the wrist and a million dollar bonus.
0: It's true. You know? Uh, and in the most, of course they are, of course it happened, uh, story of the week, uh, Dateline reported that uh, reports that MGM Studios have already snapped up the rights to the proposal for a book covering the story of the anti-establishment Reddit users who trolled Wall Street it's going to be written by the guy. So the guy who wrote The Social Network mm. proposed a book that he's going to write about this, and they've already optioned it for the movie. No thanks. <laughs> I don't need it. Just let it breathe. <coughs> it feels very, like, I don't know, man. All of it feels very greasy. It all feels mm-hmm. so greasy. You know, and maybe it's like, this is like this thing we were talking about earlier. Like, when we get older, like do we... Do we just get into, like, golf and Steely Dan and, like, Grateful Dead? Like, is that that what it means? Like, stocks is something that I feel like as I got older I'm supposed to get into, like, understanding the market. And I've never really been able to, like, want to know more. Like, even this story was a struggle for me. I don't know what it is. Like, I'm not – I don't know. The idea of, like, I'm going to invest in stocks never really appealed to me. It's because I don't have any money. Mm. (laughs) Right? Like, if I had more money, maybe I would. Yeah. But I feel like this is one of those things that as I get older I'm supposed to – care more about and i never did
1: i yeah i don't i don't know i don't you know where i'm always at with the explanation of like oh, i'm supposed to feel somewhere think somewhere or care some way um but i mean yeah i think i think you hit on an important part of it uh you know we talk so much when people talk about the economy they'll talk about the stock market how the stock market is doing but like the economy is and the stock market are not the same thing If you've never had enough money to invest outside of, you know, maybe kick into a match on a 401k or something like that, or, you know, maybe open up, like, a small Roth IRA, something, like, little, like, small thing just to get started for retirement, but, like, if you don't have the money to to go and be, like, a day trader like this and just invest in the casino gambling aspect of it, then you're not going to learn about
0: it. Well, I think that's the other thing that I sort of took from this story. You know, the if you, you know everyone trying to explain what a short stock, you know, the short sale stocks are and how you can, you know, sell something you don't actually own or borrow against it to make money. I think this is the first time that a lot of people look at these common Wall Street practices and go, huh, that doesn't seem right. Well, it's not
1: the, certainly not the first time, but I, some people people who haven't
0: otherwise paid attention are probably learning, or some people are being reminded Yeah, I guess. You know, I was living in New York when the Occupy Wall Street movement happened, mm-hmm. and I feel like even then, when I knew people who were going down to Union Square Park and, like, standing there, but it felt like it, a lot of those folks didn't even understand why they were there. It was like, I'm caught up in this movement that's happening right now. mm and I think it was like well, Opera, uh, Occupy Wall Street was like shockingly more precedent than people gave it credit for at the time. Like it, it's, I, I don't think it gets enough like this first mass scale like protest against financial stuff. And I, I think you can tie a, a line from that right to this.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think it's I think it's the the long continued line of you know, yeah. the history of protests we have in this country. It's certainly not the first time people went out and protested en masse against financial systems or in financial disparities or things like that. But I mean, yeah, I think that. You know, when you look at you look at this, there's a lot of energy spent to make people um, think that... You, know, you look at Occupy Wall Street, there was so much like, oh, nobody knows what they want, they're just a bunch of smelly people sitting down in the park, anything to make people yeah. not talk about the issue, anything to take the focus mm-hmm. off the issue. You know, mm-hmm. you're seeing a lot of it, even with, you know, things that have been said here in articles we've read from here, you know, stuff to, to refocus the issue off what the core thing is, the fact that, like, this system is, is pretty rigged and a lot of people are getting taken advantage of, you know what I mean? And that there's, you know kind of uh, an emperor-has-no-clothes element to all of yeah. it. Yeah.
0: No, that's true, and I think, and I think, and whether or not this is the, you know, certainly not the first story, this might be the first mm. example for somebody to learn about this. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
1: no. certainly. I mean, it'll it'll, it'll get people in and learning. I think it's one of those things that people, people should make sure to approach, like, anybody who's ever tried to talk to their parents' generation about, like, computers and stuff yeah. knows what this means. It's like, oh, I can't learn about that. I just don't know how to do that. It's all crazy to me. If that's your attitude, that's the way it's going to be. But, like, a lot of people who are dumber than you know about things, and you can also learn about those things. So something like the stock market, like, you could learn about it. You just got to go learn about it. You know what I mean? But if it's something that interests people or people want to be involved in, don't think that it's above your competency level or above your brain or above your intellect to learn about things. Mm. Anybody can learn about just about anything. So don't ever sell yourself short and be like, ah, I just don't get computers, or I just don't get stocks, or I just don't get, you know, whatever else it might be.
0: You can learn anything. Uh, Yeah, you just have to have the drive and want to do it. It's like quitting Mm. cigarettes. Unless you actually want to do it, you're never really going to do it. I think about that all the time. I was talking to my stepdad about this last week. Because I, for years, I was like, I'm going to, I I should quit, it's bad for me, but I didn't really want to, because I liked smoking cigarettes, (laughs) right? Like, it wasn't until you actually are like, I kind of really want to do it, right? You have to commit to it. Commitment is what I'm getting at. All right. Let's move on. Uh, I mean, this is the story that we'll probably talk about now, and then by the time we hear it again, it'll be changed. Uh, today, Joe, President Joe Biden has agreed to meet with a group of 10 Republican senators who have proposed a slimmed-down coronavirus relief plan that they say can win bipartisan support. Uh, this package is estimated to cost six, uh, $618 billion, which is about one-third of the size of Biden's $1.9 trillion proposal. This would give people thousand dollar direct payments as opposed to the uh, fourteen hundred dollar payments that we were supposed to get. Uh, I don't think that this will go through. Uh, from everything I've read after this, but uh, so no answer as of right now about what our stimulus package will actually look like by the time we see it. Uh, again, Bernie Sanders had some some hot takes about this, uh, essentially saying we've made promises to the American people. We need to give these. We need to keep these promises. And we have the votes to pass relief now, so we might as well go ahead and do it. So, Biden So whereas Biden seems to want to do this, like we're going to pull 10 GOP senators in and talk about how we can find a middle ground, uh, Bernie Sanders seems to be ready to just say, we have majority, let's do what we said we were going to do. Mm. And I, I I kind of find myself torn between both these ideas, right? Like, I think it's right to, like, pull people in and have the discussion about it. But also, in if the shoe is on the other foot, I'm surprised, I feel like the... the the GOP would have pushed through whatever they wanted to in this case scenario. Mm. And I don't think it's wrong that we have, you know, that the Democrats have control of the, you know, to do something, they should do it, especially if that was what we're running on, right? We're going to give people this money. We said we were going to give them and support people. Mm. So that's kind of where I fall on this. Again, this story will probably change by the time you guys hear this on Tuesday morning. So I won't go too much farther. Anything stick out to you on this story, Kev? I mean, I just, it's, uh, it's a developing story. We'll see, we'll see how it shakes
1: out. You know, if, if the president made a commitment to speak with people and make at least a good faith attempt at being bipartisan, then I I missed having a president that keeps a commitment to his <laughs> yeah. word. So like, if you want somebody to be who they said they are, you have to let them be that person. But I think everybody has been very clear. Besides, you know, people trying to gin up clicks, whatever. I think everybody's been pretty clear about the fact that there there is a line that once we get to this line, if you're not going to come to the table in good faith, then we'll have to make a move, and I think everybody knows what options are on the table. People are impatient, um, and people yes. don't understand how anything works, and they're like, well, Biden's been president for uh, two weeks, three whole weeks, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. He did not like do this, that, and everything. there's a lot of things happening and balls in the air, and I understand that people need what they need, and this stimulus stuff is very important, but, like, I, you can't just expect this week's episode's yeah. resolution. That's a bad way of thinking about this mm-hmm. stuff. Um, it's counterproductive, and it's part of the problem, so
0: mm. All right. I'm very good. Let's move on to uh, something, I guess, not lighter, certainly, but less political. Uh, early, this is not light, really, necessarily. Uh, GM, earlier this week, General Motors said that they are going to end the sale of gasoline and diesel-powered cars... SUVs and light trucks by 2035, uh, which is a dramatic shift by the U.S.'s uh, largest U.S. automaker away from gasoline and diesel engines. I mean, I feel like, didn't they say this years ago? They were going to start phasing out like the idea of not having an electric car? Maybe I was wrong, but I always thought that was already a thing that we had sort of talked about as a country. <laughs> yeah, we've, I mean, we've talked about it, yeah. but nobody's done it or made any firm commitments. Um, there's only actually, it's kind of a, it's a huge shift for GM. GM sold 2.5, uh, million vehicles in the U.S. last year, but only 20,000 of them were electric vehicles. That's their one Chevy Bolt hatchback. So to convert everything over by this, it's a big, huge commitment, which I guess is good. I'm not here to praise giant car companies, but like, this seems like the right move. You can say when somebody does a good
1: thing, you don't have to just be like, oh, well,
0: they're a company. So everything (laughs) (laughs) is right, right. Yeah. They're, uh. I mean, also you wonder like, you know, the Tesla Tesla stock has gone up. to people, you know, maybe they look around at the the writing on the wall and say, this is the future, right? Like we do have to do something toward electric. Cause, yeah, it's, yeah. it's going to have
1: to be. So I mean, there's a, there's a finite
0: amount of oil on the planet. So, so, so at the end of the day, what's the biggest convert? The gas uh, the gas diesel powered vehicles make sense. SUVs would be a tough give up for you all. SUVs. <laughs> We're gonna get rid of SUVs and light trucks by 2035. They say they're getting rid of. They're gonna make them electric. They'll make them all electric. I would yeah, imagine. so yeah, have them, yeah. So, yeah. Well, they make Toyota makes like electric
1: SUVs now. They're
0: bangers. See, my nephew trolled me this week. because He said my car is too low to the ground. because He's used to my brother-in-law's big truck. Uh. He's like emasculating me in my car choice. Like, why is your car so low? I'm like, Ugh, it's cool, bro. It's looks mm. like a, I'm like a superhero. I'm flying around low to the ground. Uh, yeah. I mean, that's fine. I don't. I'd like to get. An electric car, I feel like, at some point in time. I'm ready for the next wave of cars. Mm. Did you ever see yourself as a Tesla guy, driving a Tesla?
1: No. I don't, I don't,
0: I mean, I don't
1: like their vehicle design. Uh, I don't support the company uh, at all in any way, shape, or form. No, so it probably wouldn't be for me. But, like, I'm not against electric vehicles. Like, there's no whatever. Whatever works. Just, Mm. you know... Yeah, I don't care if it's got gas. I don't care if it takes electricity. I just care if it runs. Like I'm not. I don't have intense personal feelings about it. What it means for my masculinity,
0: for how the engine in my point
1: A to point B machine runs. It's just not. That's not for me.
0: Uh, yeah. So there you go. 2035. Get your uh, get your gas guzzling in by then, folks. Uh, all right. Uh, earlier this week, New York State said it would request permission from the federal government to cancel spring assessments for grades three to eight for the second straight year. Uh, This was announced by the State Education Department. This is in light of the ongoing pandemic, as we determine that the spring 2021 state assessments cannot be safely, equitably, and fairly administered to students in schools across the state. Um, It makes a lot of sense. I've been in the room when students are given a lot of these, like, state tests, and to do it in a way that would be efficient and safe feels daunting. I don't know how you could possibly do it. Like, you... We shut down schools for the week to do testing, to do it Mm. like in a particular certain manner as it is already. Sure. So for everything, it makes a lot of sense why this would be sort of an untenable task Mm. in the current, in the current way education is done. It's really the thing that I've missed the most, honestly, since pandemic has started is, uh, is working with kids. I used to love working with my kids. They were funny and they kept me like Mm -hmm. cool and engaged. And now I feel like I'm getting older by the day. I see. (laughs) All right. Uh let's uh let's do let's do one um let's do one award before we head into this week's interview because I wanna I wanna give it time so we can get all the stuff done this week. Uh, and this week's Diego Maradona Big Energy Award goes to Green Bay Packers quarterback, Aaron Rodgers. Uh the Super Bowl is uh, this weekend coming up, so uh hope you folks are all very excited to see Tom Brady. We'll talk about that in a little bit. Uh, but Aaron Rodgers was not prepared for the Super Bowl this week. He was eliminated last week. Uh, and he was also caught in a viral video where he was seen riding in the back of a teammate's truck with a case of Bud Light. So he's driving around, drinking in the back of a pickup truck, which I think is illegal. I think you're not supposed to do that. But man, that's something that when I was a teenager, I thought I was, thought it would be so cool. Just riding around in the back of a pickup truck. Oh yeah. Like one of those things like, oh man, feels yeah, super definitely, cool. Man. Definitely. Uh so yeah. And he went out, he got caught in this flower video, and he was just like, Yep, that was me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm out here I mean, drinking don't. in the back of a truck. Yeah, that's a that's a small that's a small traffic find. <laughs> <level>. <laughs> I mean, I like the energy. I feel like that's a very varsity blues move, right? Just like kicking it in the back of a truck, being like, Hey, turn it up. I'm gonna have some brews while we drive. <laughs> mm-hmm. I like it. I like the vibe. So Aaron Rodgers. You know he gets a lot of bad press for whatever reason. People don't like Aaron Rodgers. Like Mm. he gets like because he's a surly. People seem to say for whatever reason. Sure. Uh, But I think this is very humanizing. It's a very humanizing video. Who has he always
1: seemed like a nice enough guy to me? I don't know. I don't know what people people are talking about.
0: People don't trust nice guys. Especially like nice
1: athletes. I feel like people People don't like anybody. People
0: who does who does anybody like? (laughs) Really though, like I mean, name me anybody who does anybody like. People only like things in hindsight. When you can already have, like... Yes, a,
1: again, people miss being a child. That's what, like, 80% of today's <laughs> societies. people miss being a child. But, yeah, the people don't like anybody. Of course they don't like Aaron Rodgers.
0: Well, I think with athletes, it's the same thing as Tom Brady. Like, people don't like success... Nobody likes Tom Brady. Nobody likes Tom Brady. I No, I don't think... Number one, I don't think anyone likes people who are inherently super successful. Especially at something that's popular. Right? Because everyone... Mm-hmm. It's like everybody looks at it. Like every guy who used to play football once is like Aaron Rodgers could have been. This could have been me. A couple more reps at the gym. Delusional. Right? Yeah, no, I'm for, <laughs> for sure. But I think that exists. Right. I think that definitely you, exists. I yeah. think when you look at like people, there is an inherent human feeling. I think sometimes to hmm. like look at somebody who is successful and killing it. And, like, the best at their field and find some reason to nitpick it. Right? People did it to Jordan. They do it to LeBron. They do it to all sorts of athletes. They do it to movie stars. Mm. When you're at, like, the top of your profession or the top of a – especially a profession like sports or, like, being a movie star or a musician, what people see as, like, superficial, you know? Like, oh, you're just a – you throw a ball around for a living. Oh, do you know what I mean? the best at it. The the very (laughs) best at it. The best in the world. Yeah. And I think and that's the part. I'd say not
1: just the best in the world, but like you know what I mean. It's like, oh, what you do. You just play. Yeah, I play basketball really well. Yeah,
0: I say that all the time though. With like when I talk about like terrible NFL quarterbacks, I always use uh, Sam Darnold from the New York Jets. Right? People shit on Sam Darnold from the New York Jets. He sucks. The Jets suck. Sam Darnold is at the very worst. The thirtieth best. NFL quarterback in the world. There's not thirty. There's not thirty yeah, yeah. people in the world better at throwing a football right now than Sam Darnold. There's just not. So he can't be that bad, right? Like he can't be that terrible. He's just terrible because people w- envision what they want. They have expectations that are unrealistic.
1: Yeah. I, yeah. I don't. People. I don't know. People just—it takes a lot of mental energy to be excited. Strangers like Aaron Rodgers and whoever else it might be. He seems nice. I, I don't care what he does. He does. You know seem what nice. I mean? Like he, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. I don't know. I mean, he doesn't live on my block. All
0: right, well, let's do something. Uh, let's let's talk to someone who I know is nice. Let's talk to Justin Miller of confirmed uni- nice guy, confirmed nice guy, confirmed friend of the pod. Justin Miller. Uh, Justin Miller. You may know him from Universal Bookkeeping. and We'll talk a bit about that. Uh, but what we're really going to talk about today is the B.A. Neighbor Fund, uh, which he, alongside our good friends at McGrogan Design, the Thinkubator, and, of course, Made in Utica, have uh, come together to work on. And, look, I'm going to let Justin talk about this because this is his brainchild. This is his idea, and I wanted to give him a platform to chat this up and talk about where he got this idea, uh, what his plan was for it, and what we can expect looking uh, going forward with it. So here we go. Our good friend, Justin Miller. We'll be back to the show in just a moment. Certainly. It's a, pleasure. <laughs> it's a pleasure to talk to you. Uh, before we get too far into anything, I just have to let you know. Yeah. I would imagine already, knowing what I know about you, that you're better than, at tech than I am. We're already recording because I'm terrified to not turn the recorder off and on. <laughs> uh,
2: no worries. Uh, so,
0: so for folks who don't know, we are talking with Justin Miller of Universal Bookkeeper. Justin, can you tell us uh, what your position and title is so people know who you are?
2: Yeah, so I'm CEO of Universal Bookkeeper. It's a accounting practice that my wife and I started back in 2015, and we really specialize and cater to small businesses, not only here in Utica, but also scattered around the Northeast. So we operate in a 100% remote environment. So, um, you know, when COVID hit, everybody had to go to this remote work style. That is something that we were already doing well be ahead of the curve, so... Um, so we work with about 40 to 50 different small businesses in the area doing monthly bookkeeping, accounting payroll, anything you could think of to support them.
0: And for folks who want to know more, you can go to universalbookkeeper.com. Uh, your location is 421 Broad Street, uh, sweet six, seven years ago. Although again, as you mentioned, you're doing almost everything remotely.
2: Yeah. So we, yeah, we still work in the office and, um, we are located directly above the new Rick's. Famous burgers. So hey. trying to pinpoint where that is on the map, and <laughs> that is where it is. <laughs> uh
0: so Justin, uh you it's so weird because the only other person I talked to you named Justin is the uh, main Justin. <laughs> he's, like, he's here every day, so it's weird for me to call anybody else Justin. Uh so uh Justin, if you've never been on the show before, uh typically we do these interviews in three parts, uh, where I ask you a little bit about your background. We'll talk about what we're here to talk about today, which is, of course, uh, the Be A Neighbor Fund, which we're going to get into yep. a lot. And then we do our lightning round questions. But before we get too far ahead, I guess we'll start at the very beginning. Uh, Justin, where are, you, where are you from originally? Where were you born? Where were you raised? What do you call
2: it? I'm a New York Mills guy, born and raised. Uh, went to school in Rochester at RIT, but now we reside in Whitesboro. So, so you were a New York
0: North Mills man. So let me see. I went to Proctor. So what okay. I know about New York Mills is that you guys had a blood feud with Notre Dame.
2: Um. Yeah, I think so. I mean, there's there's always been the rivals for sure, the Burstone rivalry. Um. Yeah. You know, one thing about New York Mills is, you know, whenever they. I meet somebody that is from New York Mills and I'm always actually really disappointed if I don't know them because it's such a small community. I'm like, you're from Mills, wait, wait, how do I not know you? This is weird. <laughs> well,
0: here's the here's the egomaniac that I am because I'm from Utica. When I say Utica, I generally refer, I'm referring to the entire- Everywhere. Everywhere, which is a really like egocentric- Very, Utica business,
2: right? Oh yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> it's
0: all Utica, right? It's
2: all... <laughs> yeah, how dare you? <laughs>
0: <laughs> uh no but i will say though like growing up i i had uh, my step my my dad lived in new york Mills, so i would spend like every other weekend in new york okay. yeah. and i actually you know i always uh, i always enjoyed sort of the synergy of having the different i have friends in whitesboro and friends in new york mills and friends in hartford and friends in utica and it was like a nice little yeah. thing to be able to bounce around between all the Absolutely. different areas
2: exactly i know you just seem to know everybody in the surrounding town so
0: so New York Mills high school, middle school, what were you, what were you doing in middle school? Were you a jock? Were you a art kid, a drama club kid? I don't know.
2: You- I feel like uh, I was like the everybody's buddy kind of, th- kind of thing. Um, you know, kind of, I had a lot of different social circles, but you know, I mean, when you, when you're in New York Mills, you get to play any sport you ever wanted to. Uh, so you never get caught. And that's one of the beauty of the great things about it. But you know, golf was my thing. I think that's where I kind of, excelled i played you know football basketball but i cannot say that i was any good at those (laughs) we've
0: been uh, been talking about this off the podcast at the house because you know i just turned 35 uh about three weeks ago and my buddy turned 35 a couple weeks ago and all my friends who were in the same sort of age range i was laughing i was like what happened everyone i know turned 35 and they're into golf and the grateful dead and i don't know if that's like a thing that happens
2: Dude, the, you got to pick a sport that you can play like forever. Everybody thinks about football, basketball, like these contact things. You, you're done after high school. So, lifetime Bast- sports. That's what it's basketball. all about.
0: Basketball is the one that I miss in yeah. terms of like, I don't have the skill anymore. Like, my. my <laughs> yeah. <in five>
2: minutes. <laughs> you can lose it fast.
0: So you went to RIT after New York Mills. Uh, what yep. did you go to RIT for? What was your major?
2: I I majored in accounting, so accounting. that was- So you yeah. were
0: always interested in accounting now? All
2: accounting, all the time, yep.
0: I'm a, uh, I mean, I have a degree in education, degree in history, so I tend to, you know, my parents were teachers, so I grew up in that sort of headspace where it's like, you're either an English and history person, or yep. you're a math and science person. And I always struggle uh, okay. in science. So for me, I was always interested in like teaching. Where did accounting first present itself to you? Like, did you know, you obviously knew before you went to college? That you were well, interested.
2: I mean, obviously in like high school, you only take like one basic accounting yeah. class, but at the end of the day, you know, I knew I, I wanted to be in the finance land. And, um, you know, when you talk about math, the thing I love about Accounting is—you could do all the math on like a watch calculator. That's what I always say. Like, there's really not a whole lot to it. If you can add, subtract, multiply, divide, that is it. There's no complex calculations out there. And you know, and the other thing with accounting, if you can, uh, basically, it's all debits and credits and entries. You can make an entry, and if you make a mistake, you can always fix it. That's the—that's the beauty about it. It's never like set in stone. So you can always make corrections, and nothing is forever.
0: Well, that's, and that's what I always do. And that's like, I understand the aesthetics of why math in that sense, and a concept of working with numbers is yeah. appealing. You know, one of the things that people don't like as a history teacher is that history questions tend to have open-ended, open-ended answers, right? Like-
2: Oh yeah, totally. Like,
0: but the idea that math and science growing up, like, it yeah. did, but I like it as I get older, the idea that it's like, you're working toward this answer and the
2: process- exactly. Worked. Yeah. I love it. Yeah, it's simple math, and your numbers got to equal at the end of the day. If it doesn't equal, you did something wrong.
0: What so, time, what, what year did you graduate, RIT? Oh man, two
2: thousand six.
0: So, and you didn't start Universal Bookkeeping until twenty fifteen.
2: No, I uh, I had a couple other accounting jobs. I worked for DFAS for a year. It wasn't my Wasn't my ideal, but then I bounced over to public accounting, working at Dark Angel and Company. And I did that because I wanted to become a CPA. And at the time, you actually had to work for a CPA to get the, the education, or I'm sorry, the, the work experience requirement. So did that, absolutely loved working with Doc Angelo during that time. Um, did that for about five years, but then I was presented with an opportunity to become CFO over at Hospice and Palliative Care. So I did that for about another five years or so. And kind of while I was working there, that's when Uh, Universal Bookkeeper started we the the very short story of how Universal Bookkeeper started was my second son was born he was born two months premature and my wife said she's like I'm not going to be able to go back to work because we had to take care of him and I said well what can we do on the side to you know bring in some extra income what is a side hustle that you and I can do as both accountants that we can bring in some extra money and uh, have fun doing it and that's when Universal Bookkeeper was born I wrote the business plan while in the hospital with my son, yep.
0: And is this your first child?
2: I've got three now. (laughs) That was my second child. I've got a, I've got an eight-year-old, I've got a five-year-old, and I've got a three-month-old.
0: Are they all boys, all girls? Are they mixed?
2: Two boys, first two are boys, and the second, third one was a girl, yeah.
0: I was, uh, I'm the third of, uh, my mom had three kids, I was the last, and I'm the only boy, so. Okay. Hold it like, after having girls for a while having boys was kind of like having a boy was kind of like a breeze and i wonder if oh it, yeah
2: like, I, oh totally i think we need a little bit of balance in our household and i'm super happy that we have a girl this time around
0: yeah, see three feels like it's going to be tough for a couple of years where those ages intertwine but then you're yeah. going to get to the point when they're like in their teenage years old years where they're going to be cool and all in like close range it's going to be great
2: Dude, I think right now it's my eight-year-old. He's all about helping. He's like anything you can do to help. I just got to give him the change to change the like the dirty diapers, and then we'll all be good. You know.
0: <laughs> I don't, see, my biggest issue. I have uh, I don't have kids, but I have two uh, male nieces that I talk. Uh, you okay. nephews uh, and two the boy ones. I always try and like hit them with like stuff from when I was a kid, hoping they're gonna.
2: Be- uh-huh. <laughs> they
0: could care less. Like I'm always. Totally. I was waiting for them to get into like wrestling or superheroes or something that I can. Yeah, like, oh, me too. And it just it never happened.
2: <laughs> and that's Everybody's different. My my kids are into Pokemon and and Mario, so you know. Well, Pokemon I've, is I, not...
0: Someone just told me last week that like Super Mario, like the character Mario, has the yeah. highest like recognizability rates of any character. Like little really?
2: kids, they the just same- know it
0: they just know it it's weird it's just it's ubiquitous to the whole market for whatever reason
2: yeah it's amazing but Um, pokemon pokemon if you ever get into a game that is an incredibly complicated game for young kids i'm trying to figure it out and i'm like sweating trying to play with them (laughs) The
0: the closest i ever got to pokemon was uh when i was working at utica college and also finishing up my master's uh utica college is really connected to the pokemon go video games yes like in- yeah 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 they have tons of like pokestops so everyone on utica college campus like the dirty secret is everyone's just playing walking
2: all the time <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny
0: finishing up my master's i uh i did play pokemon go pretty regularly and now that i'm not there anymore i just died on my phone i never play it ever again oh that's
2: funny i've never played it. out to try it out <laughs> i'm trying to i'm trying to not open that pandora's box yeah
0: don't don't you know what's funny i was just talking about this i'm i'm not not to age you or anything but you know at a 35 year old man i'm just starting to feel guilt if i spend too much time playing a video game
2: right That's like true. i've got to point
0: where like if i play like nba 2k for like an hour i'm like oh, geez i could have made like the or could have
2: cleaned up this mess <laughs> God, I feel like an hour. Um, yeah
0: that's just the curse of getting older, I think. Uh, no,
2: I, I just introduced my kids to uh, Mario kart and that is uh, my favorite pastime in college. And so I am like jacked up that they are into it now.
0: <laughs> you know, that's the other one too. My nephew this over, you know, I saw him not too long ago, and we were playing uh, we were playing Smash Brothers or whatever it is.
2: Yeah. And he did
0: the thing that I used to do to my parents which was, he'd be like, do you want to play this game? And I'd say, sure. And then he wouldn't tell me anything about it. Like no hints. You're
2: like, how do you play? <laughs> <laughs>
0: i my ass for like an hour. I'm like, oh, great. Oh yeah, great. Uh, perfect. Justin, I can sit here and talk about video games and keep stuff all day with you, but uh, totally. there is something I do want to talk about, obviously. And that's the, uh, the be a neighbor fun. Now, I know a lot about this because Justin and I talk all the time and this has been something we've been talking about for a few weeks. Um, uh-huh. But for, for folks who aren't totally aware of this, can you give our listeners just a quick sort of bullet point uh, idea of what this whole idea comes from, what the the goal is?
2: Yep. So the be a neighbor campaign is really a, a fundraiser to be able to raise money uh, by small businesses and individuals to give it back to other small businesses that are in the micro economy. So there are so many unique businesses here in the greater Utica area that you might lose track of but that really provide a very unique product or service and what are the the things that we need to do as a community to support those small businesses to make sure that they are here after this pandemic has passed you know um you think about different places like you know your your local uh coffee place or your event space that are impacted by people not being able to gather those are the small businesses that really you don't think about in everyday life but you might be missing them if they weren't here. And they make this this place, this, this area so unique and diverse. And that's what this fund is about, raising money to get and give back to them. Um, we are trying to, the goal is to raise enough money to support up to five small businesses for up to $3,000 for three months. So that's being, you're getting $3,000 know, over three different periods. Um, and I'm going to kind of go down a rabbit hole and I, don't, I know you got probably questions, but you know, the idea here is I love that there've been different fundraisers out there already to support like frontline workers and, and support restaurants and things like that by buying gift cards. But the thing about, you know, gift cards is eventually they need to be redeemed. So there's an inherent cost that needs to be uh, redeemed at some point. And so it's, it provides like a gift card provides an upfront cash influx for a business, but then ultimately long-term, you know, they may have to provide a service that, you know, they've got to pay for So um, trying to think about a different way that we can still support businesses without asking anything in return.
0: And I think it's a, I think it's a wonderful idea. And I, I love, you know, you, you mentioned the idea of the micro economy. I've said, and again, I, I know my listeners are going to be tired of me saying this, the reason that like this podcast has worked over the years and I've said a billion times is because yeah. this region has people who are desperately trying to do creative ventures. There's a million yes. people I can talk to who are trying to open a store or do something creative with technology or with some sort of storefront, whatever it is that you're doing, a restaurant. Right. There's so many people who are doing interesting, cool things. This show wouldn't exist if I didn't have people to talk to about it, right? right. And, uh, and I would yeah. say, that what really is interesting to me, you know, we're talking about this this COVID time. I'm, I'm a history major, right? I talked to my kids about this right before everything closed down. You know how yeah. there, you know, there are examples of things like this in history. But in terms of our modern history, this is really an unprecedented moment. Yeah. So in these unprecedented times, it calls for sort of creative responses for people to to respond to these situations. Right. And I think what you guys have come up with here is an absolutely brilliant concept.
2: Yeah, I think it's it's been put together uh, so well. I c- I really cannot thank Handshake City, you know, McGrogan Designs, Incubator for everybody's expertise in pulling this together. You know, I'm a numbers guy, so I I like could figure out everything on the back end, but like you look at the website, you know, the promotional videos, the content, you know, those guys have like done such an amazing job in, you know, coordinating this whole thing with me. So I can't thank them enough.
0: Oh, they're and they're such great folks, and I've I've spent you know I've known Ryan and his wife for many years, and I yeah. you know, and it's and it's such a thing. We just talked about this with with my co-host Kevin. You know, this was a really tough year, obviously, for everybody. You know, and Handshake we lost a whole year of events, and even this morning just events. seeing just seeing the, the excitement on Justin and Kate when we were talking about getting this launch today, just the the sheer excitement of everyone who was involved got me hyped up just thinking yeah. about it. Yeah, and I. I, I hope- and I hope that that feeling is existing in other people right now who are so desperate to, to give back to the community, to do something to help the businesses they care about.
2: That's exactly the point, you know, and that, that's, you know, relating it back to like my small is I'm so passionate about helping these smaller uh, businesses in the area, and this is what it's all about. How do we give back? Because there's been people that have been impacted, but there's also been a lot of businesses that really didn't skip a beat. You know, there's a lot of been there's been the PPP funding that has been supporting uh, businesses that have been impacted and also not impacted. So, you know, I think that there is a tremendous amount of uh, availability for people to support each other, each other. You know, one of the things that, you know, we did when we had clients of ours that were impacted and seeing a really big decrease in revenue is we proactively reduced their billable rates for us because I said to them, I wanna see you on the other side of this. And I don't want you to be thinking about what you're paying to our company to support you. I wanna see you at the end. Um, and that's really what it's all about. So this fund is kind of like a culmination of or a microcosm of that. How does everybody put their money together to help those local businesses um, keep the lights on, pay the rent another couple months so that they can be there when we're all able to get outside and support them again. You know.
0: Well, and that's what's, you know, and I just gotta ask, you know, I know that uh, Justin from Utica, you know, he he sees himself as Utica's Dave Portnoy anyway. <laughs> Did you look at like, the Barstool stuff when you guys were talking about this?
2: I mean, that is the whole, that's where it came from. You know, I started following the Barstool sports model and I was like, this is absolutely amazing. These guys are asking, nothing in return. I went onto their website and you know, made the application process so easy. Do you need money? Yes. Do you have people that you're supporting? Yes. Tell us what you need. And so trying to pull you know pieces of that into what we're doing here. And really the application process is so very easy. We're not looking for a whole lot of detail. And so we really want as many businesses to apply And we want as many people to nominate other businesses as possible because we want to, uh, you know, we're not going to be going through everything with a fine tooth comb. It's like, do you have a need? Okay, that's great. Tell us what you would use the money for. You know, are you going to be paying the rent? Are you going to be paying employees? I don't need to get into a, a detailed budget at this point, but, you know, tell us where the need is. And if we have enough money to support you, we're going to do that. It's a scholarship scholarship style approach. So not everybody's going to get it, but you know, depending on how much money we do raise, the more businesses that we can support.
0: What uh, what kind of time frame in terms of how long are you looking for this to run through?
2: Good question. So, we're trying to get initial applications for the people that are looking for funding over the next two weeks. So at that point, we're gonna take the, you know, the group of people that have applied, try to narrow it down. We'll have follow-up conversations with a a selected group of businesses to kind of narrow down who needs it most, what kind of, um, you know, impact do they have in the community and then, as soon as we are funded, meaning we've got enough money to give it to each of these businesses, then we're going to turn around and just start remitting the money. And then, if, if, if uh, money still keeps coming in, we'll open it up again for more businesses to apply.
0: You know, and I just have to point out, because I'm, as I'm talking to you, I'm looking at the, the website that Justin uh, put together. You know, he's really amazing. He really reshaped the entire handshake.city website, which you folks can go to. And he's done a really excellent job of breaking down a lot of questions that people might have in general, in terms yeah. of where the funds are coming from, where you can you can specify where your donations go to, how do you apply? Um, again, you know, you you've been on the front line for this. You're working in accounting. You're working in bookkeeping.
2: Yeah, you've sort of
0: seen how people are dealing with this. I mean, you've been in the front line. What kind of real struggles people are going through?
2: Yeah, that's a great question. I think about this a lot because um, it's not just the you know bigger businesses that have payroll and they the owners are themselves are on payroll. You know think about I'm gonna get I'm gonna geek out in accounting terms for a second, but yeah, the boy. Schedule C self-employed sole proprietorships, and if you think about the funding that is available to them for PPP it comes down to what actually shows as net profit on that tax return on your Schedule C. So as an example, you could have a business that somebody you know, does okay, they make 50, $60,000 in revenue, but through all the expenses that they're showing, and expenses include things like depreciation, which are a non-cash item, mileage deduction, again, another non-cash item, those numbers could decrease that Schedule C income to a very small amount. And then thus, they go to apply for that PPP funding. And the the people at the bank say, oh, your application was approved. You get $1,000. And you're like, what do you mean I only get $1,000? I got to live off this. And so... Those are the people that I think would benefit most from this, you know, the ones that aren't able to get the funding. Or here's another example. If you actually showed a loss in 2019 and you haven't yet finished your 2020 return, you know, you're actually disqualified because you've got to show income on your Schedule C to show that there's an income, co- I'm sorry, an owner's compensation component. Now, I'm geeking out in the accounting terms, but the point is there are so many businesses out there that would Qualify for funding with us, but normally may not qualify for funding through other resources. And so this is where they can have the biggest impact.
0: Well, yeah, I think it's it's a great idea. I, I loved everything about this, you know. And uh, and you know, Justin's been pitching this to me for such a such a long <laughs> time. Uh, I really though I, I just want to say, you know, I I think to in this last you know however many months, like almost almost a year now, it's been since really we started shutting down. Yeah you'll notice a lot of things that people are more invested in than they ever were before. And I wonder if finance, personal finance has been something you see more people interested in now because they're sitting around thinking about it. More often.
2: I mean, Oh my gosh, I could go, I could talk about this all day long too, because, you know, I think about, you know, if people did not do things like save for three months of living expenses, three to six months, they should be thinking about it now because he, it's so hard to like, you know, save money, look at your bank account and see a, a, a bucket of money that's available to use, but just to know that, you know, this is for an emergency. And these are times that are emergency. And so, um, you know, I've got a, a good friend, Christine Spiak, who's really opened up a business doing personal finance coaching, but, you know, this is the perfect opportunity for businesses to think about, you know, how they're budgeting, how they're planning for their business and carrying that forward to their personal side and, you know, how they can be more proactive to plan for situations just like this. Uh,
0: so again, folks, you can go to handshake.city uh, to check out all the information about the Be a Neighbor Fund. You can also check on Facebook, all the different platforms, uh, Twitter, all those kind of things. Uh, Justin, if people want to get a hold of you personally or Universal yep. Bookkeeper, where can people get a hold of you or uh, your
2: Yep, I make it easy. Just send me an email at Justin at Universal But I'm gonna spell bookkeeper because everybody gets that word wrong. It's B double O Double K Double E P-E-R. And a fun fact for you is that bookkeeper is the only word in the English language that has three consecutive consonants.
0: You know it's funny when I had, <laughs> when I had to send you the email for the Zoom link. Retype it. I stared at it for like two minutes. I'm like, that doesn't, is that right?
2: Yeah. Like it just, but it rolls off your tongue. B-double-O-double-K-double-E. double
0: e like Jeff yeah. Jarrett. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> uh, all right. Before I let you go, we always do our lightning round questions with everyone yeah. who's been on the show since episode one. Uh, because you've never been on before, you get the rare, in these days, uh, the rare scenario of getting the original six questions. So these are the Perfect. same original six questions we ask everybody who's been on the show. Uh, and we'll start with the easiest one, uh, Justin Miller. CEO, CEO or CFO,
2: CEO? CEO, CPA. <laughs> uh,
0: when you wake up in the morning, how do you take your coffee?
2: Black, I only do flavored coffee, that's my jam. Uh, I only drink Utica coffee, but flavored coffee, black.
0: What's your Utica coffee flavor of choice because I have a particular one uh, in my life.
2: You know, right now I am rocking on cookies and cream right now. That's uh, been pretty good. Uh, I've got a whole lot of hazelnut in my office that the yep. team really, really digs.
0: Uh, I say this every time anyone talks about Utica Coffee, Frank Elias, please send me some Southern Pecan. It's hard to find uh, it.
2: It's so good. It's
0: so good, I can uh, never find it. Uh, What was your first automobile?
2: Oh, it was a really awesome, a Saturn. Um, what is that? I don't even know what it's called, like SL2 or whatever. Yeah, what it was about. actually awesome because it was stick shift. It was like yeah. really, it was like the sporty Saturn at the time. And I was actually uh, very lucky to have that.
0: The guitar player in my punk band when I was a kid had a Saturn and that's a real particular era of cars. I feel like that's yeah. a, like 90s, early 2000s era.
2: It was cool. It had plastic doors, so like you yeah, bump think- into it and it just pops right back out. <laughs>
0: That's good stuff. Uh, All right, you may or may not have taken your Saturn SL2 to see it. Uh, What was your first live music event?
2: I think it was Blues Traveler. Oh, uh, way out in like SPAC or something a long time ago. I don't know, in my early teens.
0: We did Saranac, whatever year, a couple years ago. Made Utica was working the beer tent. For Blues Traveler. Oh man. And I gotta be honest, I had Blues Traveler 4 when it came out, right? I had the album. Yeah, yeah. And I knew two songs. I knew Run Around, <laughs> right? The only two yeah. songs they even know.
2: <laughs> the, only
0: song. the only songs they even know. So they opened up the show with Run Around. Okay. And then for an hour and a half, it was just jam music. And by the time you get to the end, it's like one of the more, it's like real late and I'm standing out there with my arms <laughs> across my chest. I'm like, just play hook. I want to play home.
2: Like, <laughs> this like, other song. <laughs> it's coming. Just play it already, man. Uh, it's um, like, I went to, yeah, I went to a concert. I went to see like Ben Folds 5 and the, like uh, Brick was the only song. And like, I knew all their stuff, but like everybody went was like, dude, they didn't play Brick. Why did I even come? <laughs> you you a Ben Folds 5 guy. I was, yeah.
0: I, uh, I saw them reunite at Bonnaroo in 2012.
2: And really?
0: I was, yeah, yeah, it was the only time I've ever gone to a festival my entire life. And I went because Radiohead was the headliner and Ben Folds 5 was reuniting. I said, okay, <laughs> and, uh, he was he was he was great. Uh, great. So let me give you, uh, all right. So if you could, this is a tough question. So if you want a second to come back on it, I'll give you a second. Uh, okay. If you could have dinner with any person living or dead who is not your family, would it be and why
2: oh i think i've got a probably a, a good answer for that um who would it be is it probably be like some like really like funny actor and you know at the at, that would just like cracks me up slays me um <laughs> you know i've got like i don't know let me come back to that one
0: okay, back to it. it's all right uh me, uh, all right, so I'll give you one. I got a couple of easier ones for you, okay? I'm going to give. gonna set the scene for you. You are the World Wrestling Federation heavyweight champion. You are walking down to the ring. The crowd is chanting your name. You hold the belt up over your head. What song is playing in the background? <laughs> as you make your way to the squared circle.
2: Notorious B.I.G. Big Papa. <laughs> <laughs> All day long. (laughs) Uh, Give me
0: one book, album, movie, or television show that you are currently reading, listening to, or watching.
2: So I just finished um, the Barack Obama book. I Mm -hmm. was like really excited to, and it was, I mean, it was good, but it was like really long. And I'm not like a book person. I'm like an audio book person because I like back and forth to the Mm -hmm. office. It was like 27 hours. I mean, it was like, interesting but I felt like it could have been a whole lot shorter so
0: <laughs> even I, I watched some interview with him before, like before the book came out and even he said that yeah. he was like yeah, I didn't mean for it to be this long and I, just, I, I was like
2: yeah it was just a little bit longer than I really wanted it to be
0: uh all right and then uh, you want your dinner question you know the minute on that
2: no I think I think we're good I think you know if I were to have dinner with somebody I think you know somebody like uh I got two people actually so I'm a diehard tiger woods fan so i love to sit down with him and and shoot the shit a little bit um, about golf and uh you know a lot of haters out there that don't like him for his past experience but like man he is the he's the goat he is like you know if you could put up with that kind of uh pressure and uh hide all those secrets and perform the way that he has done in the past he's got to have some talent um but i also think of somebody like you know, maybe like comedian like Vince Vaughn or somebody sit down and like not 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 old Vince Vaughn like Vince Vaughn from like Swingers like funny Vince Vaughn. You know.
0: Yeah, I gotta go. <laughs> I gotta go back to Tiger for a second because I,
2: yeah. I had
0: to, you know, a lot of people like, you know, crapped on Tiger because he didn't win quite as much in the second half of his career. And yeah. I, and I always think about it like, you know, when I was growing up and I was in high school and going to college, we didn't care about golf. Tiger Woods made golf he cool. Made it. He made it relevant for kids in my age range. So now, if you look at all the golfers today who are playing in the PGA, these are guys who looked at Tiger Woods when they were in their formative years and said,
2: Right, they're our age.
0: (laughs) They said, That's the guy I want to play like. So now, 10 years down the road, 12 years down the road, not only are these guys not afraid of Tiger Woods the way that you know, golfers 10 years ago were, they're inspired by him. They want to be like him. So I think that his aura of like, oh, he's, because a lot of his Tigers aura was like, I'm better than you. I'm going to win. You can't stop me. And now all these guys are like, this is my hero. I want to play with him. And I think that's, that's where he is right now in his career. Absolutely.
2: Yeah, Yeah. that's cool. All
0: right. And I got one last question before I let you go. And again, folks, universalbookkeeper.com, handshake.city for more information on the Be A Neighbor Fund. Uh, Justin, before I let you go, what's one last thing besides small business, uh, besides accounting, besides giving back to the community that you are passionate about?
2: Uh, I mean, really, right now, it's all about spending time with the kids. You know, I've got a three-month-old, and I absolutely adore her. And, you know, really, this time is all about, you know, allowing us to have no obligations and really, like, focus on you know, the family, the kids and like quality time. And you hate to say, I said it when I walked in the door, um, my daughter just rolled over for the first time today. And I'm like, oh my gosh, this time, uh, the third time around, it's going so much faster. So really I'm happy to be able to really spend as much time with the boys and my wife as as possible. You know, we are into skiing. So now all of my boys are big enough we can all go skiing together. So that's been awesome. So I would say that's my answer.
0: Uh, before I let you go, I'm going to have you just give me a thumbs up because I'm going to take a screenshot so I can use it for the picture. I don't know that work, I can't tell. I don't know what I'm doing. <laughs> I'm the worst at like technology. I don't know what I'm doing. Here, but
2: hang
0: on. One more time. Here we go. One, two, three. I think that. Uh, Perfect. <laughs> Justin, I want to thank you so much. Uh, I appreciate everything you've done and everything we're going to be doing going forward. We really, really do appreciate you spending some time with us here today.
2: Hey, thanks so much for having me. It's been a blast.
0: Enjoy yourself, and we'll talk soon. Thank you, Justin.
2: All right. Take Take care. care.
0: To Justin Miller, Universal Bookkeeping. Again, handshake.city for more information about the BA Neighbor Fund and what you can do to help support local businesses uh, in your community. All right, let's, um, let's do this week's history lessons. Uh, all right, we'll start with going way back, 1884. On this day, February 1st, the first portion of the Oxford English Dictionary, considered the most comprehensive and accurate dictionary of the English language, is published. Today it is the definitive authority on the meaning, pronunciation, and history of over half a million English words, past and present. Uh, Plans for the dictionary began in 1857 when members of London's uh, Philological Society, who believed there was no up-to-date, error-free English dictionaries available, decided to produce one that would cover all vocabulary from the Anglo-Saxon period, 1150 A.D. to the present. Uh, Conceived as a four-volume, 6,400-page work, it was estimated the project would take 10 years to finish. In fact, it took over 40 years to finish uh, until the 125th version was published, which was the one that eventually came out, the 125th revision. Mm. Uh, Published in April uh, 1928, the full dictionary was complete. At over 400,000 words and phrases in 10 volumes, Uh, The New American Dictionary uh, on Historical Principles was produced. Unlike most English dictionaries, the OED provided a detailed chronological history of every word and phrase, citing quotations from a wide range of sources, including classic literature and cookbooks. Uh, The OED is also famous for its lengthy cross-reference and etymologies, Uh, No sooner was it finished than editors began updating it. A supplement containing new entries and revisions was published in uh, 1933. The original dictionary was reprinted in 12 versions and officially renamed the Oxford English Dictionary. In 1984, Oxford University Press embarked on a five-year, multi-million dollar uh, project to create an electric version of the uh, dictionary. This required 120 people just to type the pages from the print edition and 50 proofreaders to check their work. This version has been active since 2000. A whopping 20 volumes, weighing over 137 pounds, would be required if you were to actually put all of it into physical means. It's the Oxford English Dictionary, on this day, 1884. Uh, this is probably from a different like time from you kids these days. Uh, when I was a kid, my mom had uh, you remember like Encyclopedia Britannica? She had like, the sure. whole set. She bought me as a kid like a illustrated dictionary. Right, so it was like a dictionary but had all sorts of crazy pictures yeah. and stuff in it. Sure. I loved it. I don't know. Like, it was like the internet before the internet, kids. Like, I was just like, anything you ever wanted to know. And now that feels like like a joke. Like, what are you doing? I'm reading the dictionary. <laughs> right? But, like, I used to read the dictionary when I was a kid because it just had this, like, kid's version of the dictionary. I loved it. If you get a dense enough
1: dictionary, it can still be interesting. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, if you get one that covers enough of, um, you know, getting into, like, linguistics and the formation of the words and stuff.
0: Yeah, I don't know. If you, did you have any like books, like education books, around your house growing up?
1: Yeah, of course. Yeah, I feel like uh, you ever seen me read. I
0: have seen you read. A monster got it from somewhere. They start me young. <laughs> a monster. I books in the crib. Well, I just remember like that was the first idea I thought of like having, quote unquote, like old leather bound books. Like there was a shelf in my parents' house that had the whole like set on it. Right. And that was the first time I, I guess I ever thought of like having just like this set of reference materials in your home, which feels very dated now because you have computers now for that. Uh, On this day, 1887, uh, Groundhog Day was celebrated for the very first time at Gobbler's Knob in Puxitone, Pennsylvania. According to tradition, if the groundhog came out of its hole on this day and sees its shadow, it gets scared and runs back into its burrow, predicting six more weeks of winter weather. No shadow means an early spring. Uh, Groundhog's Day has its roots in an ancient Christian tradition of candle moss, where clergy would bless and distribute candles needed for the winter. Candles represented how long and cold the winter would be. Germans expanded on this concept by selecting an animal, then the hedgehog, as a means of predicting the weather. Once they came to America, German settlers in Pennsylvania continued the tradition, although they switched from hedgehogs to groundhogs because they were very plentiful in Pennsylvania. In 1887, a newspaper editor belonging to a group of groundhog hunters from Puxtony called the Puxtony Groundhog Club and declared that Phil was the only true uh, weather Forecasting Groundhog. So, Punk's Tony Phil is officially recognized as the only official true Groundhog Day Groundhog. Mm. Uh, the line of groundhogs that have since been known as Phil are the America's most famous groundhogs. There are other towns across the country, though, that do this. There's uh, Birmingham Bill, and there's also Staten Island Chuck. Mm. Are you familiar with Staten Island Chuck? Of course not. There's a Canadian guy too, but I can't pronounce his name. That's all right. Uh, Nineteen ninety-three, the movie Groundhog's Day, starring Bill Murray, popularized the use of Groundhog Day to mean something that is repeated over and over again. Today, tens and thousands of people converged on Gobbler's Knob in Punxsutawney each February second to witness his prediction. There's uh, a three-day celebration, which seems very elaborate for for this. Groundhog's Day is like okay, this is I, w- I would refer to this as a kids' holiday because once I got to like the age of ten. I could give a shit about Groundhog's Day as, like, an event. Like, I cared mm-hmm. about Groundhog's Day as a little kid. Oh, is there a shadow? Is there a groundhog out there to see a shadow? Now, like, I, I forget that it's Groundhog's Day until, like, somebody says something about it. It would be weird if you didn't. Well, <laughs> It would be weird if you didn't. Oh, yeah, I was like. Like, if you're like, oh, tomorrow, February 2nd, you know what that is? That would be weird. You know that'd what be, that that'd is? That would be weird behavior. I would say that this, the their quote here about the movie, the movie Groundhog's Day, I feel like, did a lot for Groundhog's Day. Is it groundhogs or groundhog? Groundhog Day. Groundhog Day. I just okay. I it's just my my poor pronunciation. I see. Um Yeah, I feel like the movie Groundhog Day mm. like did more for the holiday than anything else. Yeah, like that's what people It's not think. like a thing. <laughs> it's barely a thing. Yeah. It was
1: back when they didn't have anything to do. The whole town came out for 3 days to see if the woodchuck came out of the hole. Yeah. They had nothing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> this used to be a hedgehog. Now it's a groundhog. Okay. Uh, on this day, these German immigrants are southern. are <laughs> southern German immigrants. On this day, nineteen seventy-nine, Sid Vicious became the last member of the, who was the last member of the Sex Pistols died of a drug overdose in New York City. Sid Vicious took over for fired bassist Glenn Matlock. Great name. In early nineteen seventy-seven. He famously did not bring any musical talent to the table. He faked his way through early gigs with the band, reportedly with an amplifier unplugged on stage by his own bandmates, which is a power move. Uh, What he didn't have to fake was his attitude. Vicious was a perfect living embodiment of the punk rock aesthetic. Uh, A street kid who really did walk around London with a swastika tattoo on his chest, a padlock chain around his neck, and a gigantic chip on his shoulder. I don't like this... Caricature that's the punk rock aesthetic because most punk rocks I know, uh, punk rock dudes I know. Don't care for Nazis or swastikas. Yeah,
1: but like the actual punk rock, you don't know any 70s punk No, it's
0: true. 70s punker guys, yeah. yeah.
1: Most of the kids in Dickies <laughs> that like would go to a Newfound Glory 20th anniversary
0: show, <laughs> yes,
1: they're not We're in chains. As
0: his good friend, the critic and author Alan Jones put it, Sid on image alone is what punk rests on. Mm. Uh, seven months into his tenure as a sex pistol, Sid Vicious was introduced to a troubled American girl on the London punk scene named Nancy Spungen. I think I said that right. Mm-hmm. Almost immediately, they began a relationship that led to both of their deaths. By all reports, they were very much in love, but their shared heroin addiction led to repeated instances of violence between them. Uh, Sid's addiction may have hastened the decision of the Sex Pistols to break up midway through their first U.S. tour in 1978, and it certainly contributed to the still mysterious deaths uh, events surrounding Nancy's death by stabbing on October 12th in the same year at the Chelsea Hotel. He was freed on bail, uh, but he landed back in prison on December 1978 after assaulting Patti Smith's brother in a bar with a broken bottle, which mm. is a crazy sentence. Uh, after seven weeks of de- uh, detention and detox in Rikers Island Jail, Vicious made bail again on February 1st, 1979. Later that same night, at a party, he would put heroin into his system that the medical examiner would later estimate was 80% pure. He died in the early morning hours of February 2nd, 1979. Mm. Uh, He was almost our Diego Maradona award for big energy. As a history lesson, I mean, I don't like the Sex Pistols. I got, I got to throw that out there, like as a thing, because I know that, like you know, that's like a thing you're supposed to like if you like. No, no. Again,
1: they're they're supposed to. Now, these here's the thing about the Sex Pistols. I'm right there with you because the Sex Pistols, you either, if you tell me the Sex Pistols are good, you either miss being a child and are very old now, yeah, or you're lying because the Sex Pistols are garbage. (laughs) And everybody knows it. It's just not not good. good. Don't tell me it is. It's not. I know it's not. I get it. I get all of it. I get that it was cool at the moment and all that stuff and the imagery and whatever musically, it's just not good. You're not gonna listen to a Sex Pistols record.
0: You could you could cut off the Sex Pistols in general and just tell me that it was only the Clash and I'll be happy with that. Like the Clash is where it starts for me. Anything the Sex Pistols could I could miss that whole era. Like I could miss everything from that album. Like it doesn't do anything for me in hindsight. Um I guess though, Sid Vicious. This is like a style over substance argument, right? He was really just because the image that he projected, right? He was captivating in the way that, like, uh, I don't know. Marilyn Manson's in the news for also being a bad dude this week. Marilyn Manson's a super captivating guy to look at, whether or not you want to dress like him. He draws your attention. Sure. Right? I think Sid Vicious in that way in that era, that was probably his strongest, like, suit. His ability to draw attention. I mean, they didn't plug the man's amplifier in it was his only, yeah. <laughs> was his only but, suit but they kept him on stage sure yeah do you know what I mean because he there were still some they're also they were only a band for
1: like what five minutes yeah, until know.
0: he died no, that's true all right let's go uh let's go a little more recent on this day 2002 at super bowl 36 new england patriots won their very first super bowl in front of almost seventy-three thousand fans at the superdome in new orleans this was the first Super Bowl played in the wake of the September 11th terrorist attacks, and the game was played amidst intense security and included a tribute to the 9-11 victims. Former President George w- H.W. Bush uh, conducted the coin toss, the first president to ever do so in person. Mariah Carey sang the national anthem, and U2 performed during the halftime show. Classic mm-hmm. U2 show. Uh, the NFC champions were then the greatest show on turf, Los Angeles Rams, led by the, uh, the incomparable Kurt Warner two-time NFL MVP. Uh, The Rams had won their first Super Bowl only two years earlier, in 2000. AFC champions were the Patriots, who were coached by Bill Belichick, Belichick, who had joined the team two years earlier, the same year that quarterback Tom Brady was drafted famously in the sixth round from the uh, Michigan Wolverines. He took over for starting quarterback Drew Bledsoe after he was injured, and Belichick made the decision to stay with the young quarterback even after Bledsoe recovered. A call that was initially met with controversy, but eventually we all found out what happened. Uh, Going to the Super Bowl, the Rams were 14-point favorites. True to form, they scored first, but by halftime, the underdog Patriots had stifled the Rams' offense and capitalized on two turnovers to pull ahead 14-3. A late Rams comeback proved too little too late as Tom Brady led the Patriots on a 53-yard game-winning drive to win the game 20-17 on a 48-yard Adam Vinatieri field goal. It was the first time the Super Bowl had ever been won uh, on a game-winning score of any kind, or the clock expired on the final play. Mm. Super Bowls this weekend, I think it's relevant because Tom Brady will be appearing in another Super Bowl this weekend mm. for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers against the upstart Kansas City Chiefs. It is wild to think, again, that's that's like a good, this is how you know you're getting old. 19 years ago, it's been 19 years since Tom Brady first showed up. I watched the Super Bowl live at a friend's house. I remember it pretty specifically. Mm. Matter of fact, this was the only time, probably, that people were rooting for the Patriots. Mm. I can't think of any other time after this where people were like, yes. Outside of, like, you know, Patriots fans, obviously. But a lot of times when there's, like, a dynastic team like this, like, where everyone wins all the time, you only get so long before people are like, I'm sick of this. Mm -hmm. And I think it happened really quickly with the Patriots Mm. uh, because, you know, because of all the Spygate stuff and people, like, oh, they're cheaters and all that kind of thing. Sure. Tom Brady, though, not to be overzealous, absolutely the best quarterback of all time.
1: See, I think that might just be, um, that's because we live in like this greatest of all time culture. Nah. And everybody wants nah. to call him the greatest of all well, time. They want to call it's, everything the greatest of all time. You're right. And so I think that um, I think
0: that proves. <laughs> alone. Yes. I think, no, you, it's well, of true. Of course he is. No, I mean, it's true. You want? Of course he is. And I think, no, I think sometimes you though. You to say otherwise. Because I think sometimes with him... He's so, like, he's a, a roll-your-eyes character sometimes, you know? You're like, oh, he's got the weird, like, he kissed his kid in the lips. He does all the weird health stuff. He hasn't, you know, eaten sugar in 12 years. They're making fun of him for. He's, a, he's an oh, easy guy to, like, pick at. He's not like Peyton Manning. Mm. He's not, like, a charming character in any particular way. Mm. And I wonder if that takes away from his legacy a little bit, right? He's more like a Jordan guy, where if I think if you pick at his legacy, you're like, oh, this guy might not have been, like, a good dude, but he's an amazing athlete. I think the more you pick at Brady, the more he's like that.
1: Um Brady seems like a nice enough guy for the most part. He's like he's he's an idiosyncratic weirdo, but like, yeah. how would you stay normal and relatable if you're that guy? I would rather him be you an idios- drive around in a
0: truck and drink beer with.
1: I would rather him be an idiosyncratic weirdo than like try to fake it and like like robot his way through a <laughs> Wrangler's commercial.
0: Like if you're not that guy, don't try to be, Just be the guy that you are. No, it's true. It's true. Uh so yeah, Tom Brady. This I don't know if this will be the last Super Bowl we see for Tom Brady. I kinda I certainly don't want to see him win because then I have to do the whole Tom Brady song and dance again. Mm-hmm. Um and I do think there's like some nice narrative. Like the best young quarterback versus the old the old guy still got it one more time. Sure. Right. Uh do you have a rooting interest this weekend, Kansas City, Tampa Bay, as an outsider? Uh,
1: I just hope it's a quick one. No, um I don't know. Not really. Well, do, well Not really, I guess. do you
0: find Patrick Mahomes as the next, like, marketable young quarterback to be an interesting character? Uh, I learned about Patrick Mahomes about three quarters
1: of the way through this year's season. Yeah, um, I knew he was a quarterback last year. I mm-hmm. knew he was the guy. Yeah, that's cool. They're going to need somebody. He seems likable. He seems like a nice guy. Weird that he's on the Chiefs. He signed a crazy contract. Fine. <laughs> that's interesting to me. You know. Yeah, I mean, I think he's the next guy,
0: and I think there is some nice narrative to it. He seems like a He's kind of a when to do his commercials. He's got to get better at the commercials.
1: man. Yeah, I I mean, I guess. You got to, man. You
0: (laughs) got to. That's what the people need. That's what the people need.
1: Or you could just take that mama mentality and go put in that
0: work. Do commercials when you're done. Win an Oscar when you're done. (laughs) Uh, Let's move on to 2013. Uh, Oh, by the way, did we even talk about Kobe Bryant last week? Has it been a year? Yeah. It was this week? Was that this week? Or uh, last week. Last week?
1: Yeah. It was like over the very end of January.
0: I did read a lot of really nice like one-year anniversary Kobe Bryant like think pieces last week. So really? there's a lot of those out on the internet if, if you're someone who cares to read those yeah. kind of things. Or just like
1: text me. If you want to talk about Kobe's <laughs> legacy, you can text me at any time. <laughs> uh,
0: on this day, 2013, Netflix's first original streaming series, House of Cards, began streaming. Uh, first major television show that ran exclusively on a streaming service. It was another Netflix innovation that would alter the media landscape. Uh, Directed and produced by David uh, David Fincher, it was an American version of a British political drama, House of Cards. Uh, Cable and premium channels like HBO and AMC were in talks to pick up the show, but Netflix outbid them, hoping to begin its foray into original content with a bang. Academy Award-winning actor Kevin Spacey was announced in the lead role the same year and Buzz built around the show. House of Cards' first season was released all at once rather than episode by episode, which is another first. show was a hit, garnering nine Emmy nominations, a first for streaming-only program. House of Cards ran for five more seasons and received a total of seven, Emmy and, uh, seven Emmys and 56 nominations, ending with a final season that focused on Spacey's character's wife, played by Robin Wright, after a series of sexual misconduct allegations against Spacey became public. Netflix had another major hit with *Oranges and New Black*, which premiered a few months later, and its original series numbered among the most popular in the country ever since. Um, have we watched this show? I feel like. Do we watch it together when it came out, or was I not? Certainly not. You were, Certainly
1: you
0: were not. Is yeah. I not here? I do remember this being like a big deal. Like, and I'm gonna move. I'll move past the Kevin Spacey thing. We all know what Kevin Spacey did, and we all know how mm-hmm. it broke out. I'm gonna try and put myself back in 2013 when I started mm-hmm. watching this show. It did seem exciting. Yeah. Like it was like oh wow Netflix got this like David Fincher thing and it's like about politics and it's really interesting and I do think like in hindsight now it doesn't get any credit as like the the one of the early forbearer shows I feel like Orange is the New Black kind of had a better run in the long run for Netflix. I
1: mean definitely less like egregious uh, sexual misconduct. Yeah 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 I think that I think the Kevin Spacey thing saves this show. Mm. Um, because I I love I really loved House of Cards and I I like yeah. all of it, but it definitely is a show that gets a little more like into itself later and gets worse for a lot of people. Yeah. They were getting a lot of weird. They were do they were doing that thing where a lot of shows do where they go on a little longer than they thought they were going to. So now they've got weird loose ends that they have to tie up that they didn't plan on having to come back to and that kind of thing. And I think they would have continued to ruin the show if they yeah. hadn't been stopped by the spacey thing. Mm. Um, and it's, you know, it's tough because like I said, you know, from, from everything you hear, he seems like he was a pretty bad guy for a long time. So, you know, there's no reason to hire folks like that, but that being said, so, I mean, I was a fan of the actor's work yeah for so, so long and him he, to the point where his voice in that show is his voice in my yes. head when okay. I see him places and in other things. And
0: it's weird now because like knowing what you know now, when you go back, if you go back and watch it, it feels greasy. Like mm-hmm. you're, you're watching like, Oh yeah. Okay and it feels weird it just it does change your opinion of the show a little bit so it's not like a show that when I go back and try and watch it I'm like oh yeah I remember how good this was it Mm. does sort of affect my ability to enjoy it a little bit Mm. because I'm like oh yeah I know what you're up to Mm. I don't like it Uh, so yeah there you go let me ask you one last thing about this before we move on we started watching uh, WandaVision over the weekend oh yeah it's nine episodes and only four of them were released and we just talked about how House of Cards dumped all of their episodes at once which at the time was kind of new if you had the choice right now, knowing what you know, would you have wanted us to be able to watch all the WandaVision episodes, or do you like the idea that yeah. we have to wait?
1: Yeah. That's, that's like, a kind of a <laughs> frivolous, like, 29-minute, half-an-hour little show. Yeah. Um, there's not as much... It's not, like, a show, like, like you know, The Leftovers, mm-hmm. or, like, some, some wild yeah. drama show, or, or like, Lovecraft Country, yeah. event where I have an hour's worth of, like, oh, I really get, I digest what I just watched. Like wandavision is very good they do a good job it's really interesting but it's still primarily popcorn viewing so it doesn't i don't need a week to digest what just happened give me about five minutes after the episode i'm like all right here we are
0: I do kind of feel like, even not from a digestion standpoint, but I do think you tend to want something a little more if it's not there. I do kind of like the idea that I have to wait because now it feels like I, I'm more engaged in wanting. I'm, yeah, to come back to it, right? I'm into that. in In
1: the larger scope, I am into that. Uh, Wand Vision is not the the no, best no, example no, of no, that no, no, for no. me, but yeah, yeah, definitely in like an overall overarching. I'm, I'm with you. On yeah,
0: that. yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm just using it because we just watched it. It's sure. just fine. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't lose any sleep over it either. Way. But
1: but to be fair, if I will say, if you like Marvel and you're interested, and you've seen all that stuff, it's a worthy—it's yeah. definitely a worthy extension into that world and universe and stuff. Yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. Uh, all right, let's do some other stuff this week before we close out. Uh, earlier this week, it was announced that the 2021 Baseball Hall of Fame voting had occurred, and no one has decided to have any merits to be enshrined into the Hall of Fame mm. this year. Kurt uh, Schilling, Barry Bonds, and Roger Clemens were the closest in voting, um, but none of them were able to break the 75% thre- uh, threshold needed for enshrinement. Mm. Uh, Schilling came the closest. He finished 16 votes short. Uh, he got 71.1%. Uh Schilling's an interesting one. He, he, there's no question that he's, like, certainly qualified, but he has a history of ostracizing himself, like, saying terrible things about Muslims and transgender people and journalists. And he also went on to, like... Pull, Asked to be removed from the ballot for next year because mm. he doesn't want to be put on, saying, "You know, it's not important." You can't fire me. I quit. Yeah. Heard. Now, I don't. Re- I, I certainly don't like Kurt Schilling.
1: Mm. Uh,
0: I do think that if you're talking strictly about merits, he certainly has more than enough basis to be in the Hall of Fame. If you look at his numbers, it's a numbers question. Mm. But I'm also on the on the side of the fence that thinks that Barry Bonds and Roger Clemens should also be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah, I don't care. Yeah, I don't I don't that's care. They want there. Like it's not like people don't remember Barry Bonds anyway, right? It's like I mean, yeah. I guess that's I guess that's the argument. Like you'll still remember him anyway. It doesn't matter. It's like an irrelevant right. award. Um this is only the se- the third time though since uh like nineteen sixty seven or nineteen seventy one that no one has been inducted into the Hall of Fame at all. Mm. So the only time. A lot of the people on this list though are controversial though, right? You have Kurt Schilling, you have Roger Clemens and Barry Bonds, you know, that's PED stuff. You have uh, Omar Vizquel, who had domestic abuse stuff. You had Andrew Jones, domestic uh, domestic abuse stuff. Uh, Todd Helton, you know, he was guilty to driving under the influence and sentenced to jail a couple years ago. So a lot of these guys have, like, little dirty stuff in their, in their backgrounds, right, that people can get mad about. I just don't know how that necessarily translates to whether you should be in the Hall of Fame. I don't know. It's a weird conversation, I guess. Yeah,
1: I don't know. I mean, like, uh, I I guess everybody would probably have different lines. Yeah, because well, what... like, well, because like for me, it's like, okay, well, you're a domestic abuser. I'd go fuck yourself then. You yeah, can't, you can't be, yeah, yeah, you yeah. can't be in our museum. You know, if if you if somebody made that, I would make that decision if it was my museum. You yeah. know what I mean. Um, this guy's like, yo, you got a DWI. Listen, man, you shouldn't be doing that. You're endangering people. Yeah. but like, you know, whatever. Go do some penance in your community. You're a great ball player. We'll get you out here. The steroids, guys, like you, you, in order to talk about the story of baseball, if the idea of the museum is to tell the story of baseball, if you're going to tell the story of baseball, you're lying by not talking about the steroid yeah. era, and you can't talk about the steroid era without talking about these juice heads. So you can't pretend they didn't exist.
0: Yeah, I guess you could put, like, a line on the thing, being like, this player was suspected of using performance-enhancing drugs, but no player is ever going to agree to put that on their fucking plaque, I guess. Oh well, it's right? not the player's choice. Right, no, and And if you don't want them to tell the truth about you, then you can't yeah. be in. Mm.
2: It,
1: that's that simple, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. We just... I, baseball... Show me a time when baseball has done itself a favor by taking itself too seriously in the last 30 years. <laughs> that's true. Show me a time where baseball has done itself a favor by doing that. I, I don't know where it is.
0: Uh... Consumer news this week. Let's move on to consumer news. A lawsuit filed in California this week accused Subway Sandwiches of selling tuna fish that is bereft of tuna. Mm. That is right. No, no t- tuna. What's in there? Uh, well, let's see. Let's see what I can find out here, you. The. Uh, Class action lawsuit, which was filed in California, accused the uh, Cal- uh, Connecticut based food giant of fraud and false advertising over the content of its tuna sandwiches. Entirely non tuna based mixture that defendants blended to resemble tuna and imitate its texture, is what the claim uh, states. Oh. Subway denies these allegations, saying they deliver 100% cooked tuna to their restaurants, which is mixed with mayonnaise and used in freshly made sandwiches and wraps. They say it's not true. Uh, but that's what's going on. So people were concerned about whether or not the tuna inside the tuna fish sub at Subway is real tuna or not. My first thought is that you're going to Subway regularly. You're not really all that concerned about where your food's coming from. <sighs> right? Like, I don't know that, like, I would think of Subway as, like, the place I was like, I want to get the freshest sub possible. Let me go to Subway.
1: Yeah, no. I mean, by its nature, right? Like, it's all, it's, it's cured meats. Yeah. So, like, <laughs> um... I, you know, you just need more information there. So, what is it? Because here's the thing if it's just like a different fish instead of tuna, you shouldn't be able to call it tuna, but like that's different than like, oh, it's cardboard and like sawdust and umami powder. And that's right. a different uh, story. The,
0: it doesn't seem to say, and this is an NBC News article, it says it lacks any trace of tuna as a component, let alone a main or predominant ingredient, yeah, seems well. to be the issue. So, maybe it's more of an issue like when they used to say about Taco Bell, like, the meat itself is only like 70% meat, and the rest of it is lard. Maybe it's a percentage of how much of the tuna is real tuna. I don't I don't know. I don't know. But there you go. I mean, I'm not a huge fan of the Subway tuna fish sub. Anyway. If I were to go to Subway,
1: uh, it would be for tuna. Well, so that's is why is I brought it up know. to you. This I was gonna... good to know, yeah. <laughs> yeah like... Number one, everybody sleeps on the tuna sub uh, all across the board, writ large. People don't know.
0: Get some pickles chopped up on there. Some cherry peppers are in business. Yeah, I mean... Uh... I don't know. I always say with Subway, if I'm going to Subway, I got to get something I can't get from another place, right? I can mm. get a cold cut sub or a tuna fish sub or a, or a meatball sub from like a pizza place if I wanted to. You know what I can't get from a pizza place? The sweet onion chicken teriyaki on multi-grain bread with, mm. No terrible. Uh, so, let's do one. Uh, let's do one more story. And then I, so got I feel to... like
1: at Subway, not to not to stay on the Subway. My move is when I'm at Subway. If I get stuck there, like I'm like traveling. Mm-hmm. It's like late at mm-hmm. night. Is a lot of times when it'll be something like that. And like you gotta you gotta eat. Um, I try to minimize the risk as much as possible. So I'm like, all right. Well, if I get the turkey, you guys can't really be doing too much to the. T- just give me the turkey. Give me the <laughs> cheese. Give me the lettuce. <laughs> let me look at the tomatoes. Keep the tomatoes. I'll take some banana yeah, no, peppers. Totally, yeah.
0: I I appreciate that you can see the stuff in front of you so you can decide whether or not it's a good go. It's like those tomatoes look wet. That lettuce looks brown, no thank you. Mm. <laughs> Alright, one more good story. Well, no, this is a downer story, but I think it's wild. A Japanese woman earlier this week uh said she hid her mother's corpse in a freezer in her apartment mm. for over a decade. Yep. Because she told police she feared eviction mm. if the death was discovered. Uh, Yumi Yoshino, who's 48, was held on suspicion of abandoning and hiding a female body on Wednesday. Uh, Yoshini said that her mother died about 10 years ago and she hid the body because she feared she'd be forced to move out of the flat they shared. I mean, it's a wild story, but it's also sad that this woman was so concerned that she would lose her apartment that she felt the best case scenario was to hide... A dead mother's body in the fridge Mm. maybe we should do more about helping people make sure they can afford their apartments and stay in their apartments and get rent stuff right Mm. feels like that's the dark side of the story right not just the dead body in the freezer uh wild though like i mean i just can't imagine how you get to that being the best case scenario (laughs) right like what's the plan here i guess just keep her here right
2: yeah terrible
0: Uh, Yoshi had been forced to leave the apartment mid-January for missing rent payments, and the cleaner discovered a body in the freezer hidden in the closet. So there you Mm. go. Uh, All right. Let's do – I want to have time for the rest of the stuff we're working on today. So let's do two, and we'll close it out here. I have a mailbag question, and we'll talk about some Spotify stuff. Sure. Uh, I sent you the Spotify list. I'm not sure if you had a chance to look at it at all or anything. Yeah, I did. All right. So I guess we'll do the mailbag first, and I'll come back to highlight the Spotify First mailbag question of the day. This is a really good one. I'm very pleased about this. What is a better addition to a home? An indoor fireplace or an outdoor balcony? Indoor fireplace or outdoor balcony if you can only have one. What are you taking? It's a tough question actually. Well, I got I got a couple
1: questions for you and I'm aware they probably didn't talk about them, but when you say balcony, what exactly do you, do you mean? Does that preclude porches and decks?
0: We have that little stupid back balcony in, my, in our apartment, which I assume is closer to a balcony than our front porch. That's what I assume they mean. Yeah, yeah. Right? Because if, if,
1: like, if I've got a back deck, I don't need a balcony.
0: Right. Balconies right, nice, right, right. but
1: I'm, I'm probably taking the indoor fireplace. Yeah. Here. I love a fireplace. I do,
0: too. I thought this was an easy question at first, and the more I thought about it, I was like, you know, though. Yeah, like, if you, if you <laughs> live... Because here's the thing, like... If you were still living in
1: New York or you lived in some like large metropolitan area, even if you lived in some downtown space, right, where you're in you know, you don't have a yard, you're in a building, then having that balcony and having some outdoor space to yourself is probably a really high level priority. Hmm. But if you've got like a house with a bit of yard and you've got a back porch or a front porch or some other outdoor sitting space or even yard to enjoy, then what do you need a balcony for? You know what I mean? It's just extra it's just two extra chairs to buy. And in that case, but I would probably take the fireplace almost either way.
0: Uh, I have two questions remaining here. Both of them are about states, about uh, American states. Okay. Uh, I'll give you a one, uh, and we'll do one for next week's. All right. Let's do this one. Which state has the worst shape? Which state has the worst shape? Michigan. Michigan, really? Yeah. Mm-hmm. I was going to say New York. It oh, doesn't make any sense. I love New York.
1: Don't get me wrong. Sense. But what kind of sense do you need to make? What I makes sense It's all over me. the place. Michigan, there's two of them. It's a
0: mitten. They're not connected. They got, that's kind of cool. Yeah, I but f- then it's got the other nub. The nub and the mitten. I like the nub They're and the not connected. Mitten. By See, land. My other thought The would two be, parts of your state aren't connected by land. It's ridiculous. The other, si- <laughs> the other side of that argument... Well, Long Island aren't really connected to New York State in a particular way. I mean, by what? 20 feet over yeah, water? No, I'm just saying. Water? I'm just saying. Uh... I would say the other side of this argument is at least a state like New York or Michigan or, uh, you know, Oklahoma or Florida has some, like, quad- quality about it that you recognize, right? Oklahoma's the one with the panhandle. Florida's the one that looks like a dick. Uh, yeah. New York is weird. Like, California's the one in on the end. You don't want to be, like, a, I guess, like, South Dakota, North Dakota. It's, like, it's a square. Like, states, like, I'm a so rectangle. Have- like, who cares? That's not fun. That's fair. Right, so I guess maybe the other side of that coin is do you want a, a unique looking state Mm. right and that's where i guess you get to something like new jersey which is a probably where i would go to it's like it is kind of basic but Mm -hmm. also it just looks like a smudge right it has no real discernible shape it's like a compressed little s sort of shape it's weird i don't know i feel like new jersey is a tough one for me Mm. any of the small states too like maine rhode island massachusetts weird shapes they'll feel like they're kind of just jammed in there
1: Well, maine's got no because maine's up on the top maine's like the the so I guess I'm thinking Rhode Island I'm thinking of. Or I'm thinking of.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I guess, I don't know, worst shape. Yeah, I guess maybe maybe one of the square states, the most basic square state. I, I
1: would prefer to, yeah, I would, I, I would prefer to have like a Texas or a New Yorker or, a or unique something like that looking, where there's, at least you've got a bit of shape to it. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. That's yeah. fair.
0: Uh, all right, good stuff. We'll do our next state question next week. It's, that's fair enough. Yeah, wouldn't want wouldn't to overtax oh. these brains. <laughs> <laughs> all right, so let's see. Uh, this week for the Spotify mixtape, uh, I have a lot of uh, 90s music for whatever reason this week. So let's do... Uh, oh, yeah. Last week I played the song May, 5th, May 16th by Lagwagon. And I said to you, Kevin, after I was playing it, the song doesn't feel right without me playing the song that it directly goes into on the album. So this week I'm playing the song that goes directly out of May 16th by Lagwagon. Owen Annie" by Lagwagon. Mm. So a uh, back-to-back this week. And then uh, last night was the Royal Rumble from the WWE. Uh, and uh, famed rapper Bad Bunny appeared and performed his hit song Booker T, which was quite a track. So that is also on this week's last Booker T by bad bunny there's two of my tracks this week kevin for you I see. um so the first one i don't have much to say about
1: uh but i'm putting on the song lovely day by bill withers mm-hmm. uh, i heard it in a commercial everybody else probably heard it in a commercial recently so the only time i see commercials is we're watching nfl i guess is this the one
0: from that i know what you're talking about yeah yeah, you know, yeah yeah
1: yeah. everybody knows you it's a bill withers song that everybody knows if they hear it but it's good it's got a great baseline. Um, and I also put the song on, so this, the past week and a half or so, I've been getting uh, back into one of my favorite bands I've listened to in a while, the band Minus the Bear. Mm-hmm. I Classic. to Minus the Bear as well. Great band. Um, and I got into, I was thinking, they're one of the only bands I can think of where they have two, two separate albums of their own songs, but in full band acoustic versions. Yeah. That might be better than the original versions. Mm-hmm. And so I put the song Burying Luck, which is the first song off one of my favorite albums of them, Planet of Ice. And I put the the album version, which is electric, got a killer synth that comes in the middle, and I almost put the acoustic version on right after it, because I think, really, I think <laughs> to listen to the two and hear the contrast between the two really, really drives at the heart of what's so impressive about this band to me. Um, so if you listen to Bearing Luck this week and you like it, go listen to the version off the album just called Acoustics by Minus the Bear. <laughs> Compare and contrast, because it really, really just lays it all right out for you how talented this band is
0: if there is an acoustic version of booker t by bad buddy don't listen to that just listen to the regular version don't listen to the the other version smart all right so there you go that's our picks for this week uh shout out again to justin miller of uh bookkeeping i universal bookkeeping i don't know why i screwed that up uh shout out to heather waz uh we will uh again i don't know exactly what next week's gonna look like i don't know if i'll be here i'll be in chicago whatever's going on i'll figure something out for you guys uh, that's it. Cyanar Humanoids, uh, keep it tight. Woodstock lives. We are available on all platforms SoundCloud, uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher Podcasts, Spotify. Uh, taking over the web. Cyanar uh, Humanoids, keep it tight. Woodstock lives. The tape machines are rolling. Uh, we are desperately out of time, and we will see you next week for another episode of the Uticast. Take care, folks. Be safe out there.